this morning I'm wrapping up a seven, seven part series. Must be a whole series. It's a long service series. Y'all, y'all are calling with me through this. A seven part series called I Love Church. And each Sunday we've looked at what this thing church, called church means. Y'all, y'all, will y'all do me a favor tell somebody church is a good thing? I really believe that because church is a God thing. Jesus established the church. He said, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus established the church so we would not have to do this on our own. Come on, tell somebody, you're not alone in this thing. Amen. Church is a good thing. Church is a God thing. But sometimes church isn't easy, is it? <laughs> sometimes church is messy, y'all. And we've talked about that in this series. We've looked at the good and the bad and the ugly. And I said this the very first week. Church would be perfect if it wasn't for the people. Come on, just look at your neighbor and tell him, I see what he means. <laughs> Church would be perfect if it wasn't for the people, but without the people, there would be no church. Why? Because people are the church. We are the church. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 5, that we are being built up a house of living stones. This building is not the house of God. We, beloved, we are the house of God. Amen. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God is not dwelling in this facility. He's dwelling in us. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there in the midst of that building. No, in the midst of them. God shows up when we show up. Come on, tell somebody, we are the church. Come on, you got to point at yourself when you're doing, you look at them. Come on, say, we are the church. Yeah, y'all got to help me preach today. Amen. I'm running off an hour and a half of sleep. I fell asleep just about the time the sun came up this morning. And about as time, about the time I closed my eyes, Hudson came in and woke us up. Lord have mercy. Ain't no telling what I'm going to say this morning. I hope you didn't bring your neighbors to church today. I'm just, just kidding. I'm just kidding. But we are the church. And that's beautiful, but at the same time, it's scary because people more than often mess up. We fall short of God's standards. And I kicked off this series dealing with the problem of hypocrites in church. And I talked about how the word hypocrite comes from the Greek word Hippocrates, which means an actor. In other words, a hypocrite is a pretender. They they. Talk like Jesus, but they don't walk like Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? That's what a hypocrite is. And I gave you this warning, and I'll give you this warning again. There are hypocrites in every church. Except this one, of course. I heard a pastor say one out of three church members is a hypocrite. So look to the left and look to the right. And if it's not them, <laughs> uh-oh, it might be you. But really, and I didn't share this in the first week, but really, there are three types of, of hypocrites. Three types of hypocrites. Number one, you have the obvious hypocrites, right? You can spot them a mile away. They're, they're openly 
living in sin and just giving God lip service, right? These are easy to spot and these are easy to deal with. These are just people that, that you avoid, that you don't connect yourself with, right? Then the second type of hypocrite, uh, the, these, are, these are a little bit better at it. Y'all remember that the word Hippocrates, hypocrite, it means an actor? So, so the first group, these are the, the bad actors, okay? They never make it to Hollywood. But the second category, these are the Oscar nominees. These are people who are really good at playing church. And you got to be careful because these are the ones that will bite you because they will bless the Lord on Sunday, but they might cut you out on Monday. Uh-oh. But that's the second type. But the third type, and this is what I, I, I really want to hit on today because this is, this is kind of in my realm that I, I want to preach on this morning. The third type of hypocrite is the hardest one to do. It's the hardest one to do with because it's the hardest one to do
But every generation, every group as a whole has defining characteristics that distinguishes them from every generation before them. And with each of these facts, I want to look at some of our strategies to reach them and to minister to them. Fact number one. Y'all ready? Fact number one. They are the least religious generation in American history. That sounds bad. But really, it's an incredible opportunity for the church. Last week, I read to you one of the saddest verses to me in the entire Bible. It it talks about how the generation that, that Joshua and Caleb led into the promised land, they conquered the promised land. They developed, they built cities, they built homes, they raised families. And when that generation dies, the Bible says in Judges 2.10 that there arose a generation that knew not the Lord. This generation today is a generation that does not know the Lord. The highest, they have the highest percentage of atheists of any generation in American history. The percentage of atheists in Gen Z is more than double that of the entire rest of the population. Think about that. Gen Z today, they, and this is the amazing thing, they are incredibly open to the gospel. You would think the opposite, but the thing is, we don't have to deal with messed up dead religion, because they ain't never been to church. We get to reach them with the pure unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's a good thing. We don't have to unteach them that every bad thing in your life happened because God calls that to happen. Come on, man. Y'all forget there's a devil out there, don't you? Jesus said, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and destroy. I am come that they might have life and life more abundantly. God is good, and he wants nothing but good things for your life. The enemy is the one who's trying to kill, steal, and destroy. We get to take that message to this generation because they've never heard it before. This is an amazing opportunity. In fact, according to Barna Research, they have a more positive view of church than the generation before them. They are open-minded and they don't have a negative view of the church. This is an amazing opportunity for us to reach them. Fact number two, they are the most diverse generation in American history. Our motto at Generation Church is many cultures, one family. This is where Chevy and Ford can worship alongside one another. This is where Krispy Kreme and Dunkin' Donuts are family. This is where the Carolina Tar Heels and the NC State Wolfpack and ECU and Wake Forest and even Duke Our family. Lord bless the Duke fans. Bless their hearts. 
This is where Democrats and Republicans and independents and unaffiliateds can come and rally together around something greater than a political party. And maybe, just maybe, we'll take the libertarians. I mean, we like winners around here, but, but we might take y'all too. Amen. Lord love you. Many cultures, one family. We come from many different backgrounds, many different points of view, but we are one family in Christ Jesus. And the amazing thing is that, the beautiful thing is that we are all on equal ground in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Come on, come somebody say, many cultures, one family. Come on, say that again. Many cultures, one family. Interestingly, the diversity of Gen Z is very similar to the diversity of our church, which makes sense because we're all so young, right? I mean, am I right or am I right? Amen. (laughs) This generation, when they look to the church, they're looking for unity. The American church has got to stop segregating itself. Sunday morning is still the most segregated hour of the week in this nation. And thank God by his mercy and by his goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, not at our church. I believe local congregations need to be a reflection not only of the neighborhoods that they serve, but the communities that they minister to. Y'all with me? By good? Fact number three. It's going to be a short sermon today. Y'all going to get to eat lunch early, beat the Baptist to the buffet, beat the Methodist to McCall's. <laughs> Fact number three. This generation rejects political extremism. Now, I, what I want you to know is this is not my opinion. This is based on data. This is based on research. They don't like the far left, and they don't like the far right. Why am I telling you this? Now, he- hear me. Because if you want to reach them with the gospel, how many of y'all want to reach them with the gospel? Amen. If you want to reach them with the gospel, you need to understand how to approach them. Here's something you may or may not know. Millennials don't like Donald Trump. <laughs> it's a statistical Fact. Y'all know I'm, 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 I'm a poli-sci guy. I study these trends. I study these polls. Millennials don't like Donald Trump. Guess what? Gen Z feels the same way. But here's what surprised the pollsters. They found that Gen Z despises Joe Biden more than any other generation. That means that they don't like either one of them. Do you know what this means? It means that we're going into an election cycle where this generation feels like they don't have a voice. I'm going to let that sink in for a second. They feel like they are not represented and they have no voice. There's a couple of super old rich white guys making decisions for them when they have no idea how they're living. And what their needs and desires are. Did I say it? I said it. I'll say it again. We're talking about ministering to this generation, y'all. I'm not here to preach politics. I'm here to 
kick politics in the backside because too many people are kicking Jesus to protect their politics. Oh. <laughs> they don't like either one. They don't like them. They don't like Joe. They don't like Donnie Boy. <laughs> and I want you to think about this because we're here not to preach politics. We're not in the election business. We're in the soul winning business. When you talk to young people today, there are two names that will turn them off and they will not listen to anything else you say. That's Donald Trump and Joe Biden. So how about before you talk politics, let's start with Jesus. How about that? And I, I'm going to, to come at y'all with politics every week till November. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm very involved in politics. I'm an unaffiliated voter, but I'm, I'm involved in it because I believe every Christian ought to be involved in their governmental process and every child of God ought to have a voice and make it loud. Okay? But church is not the place for that. This platform is not a political platform. Never will be. You try to make it one, one of us has got to go, and it ain't going to be me. Bye-bye, baby. Bye-bye-bye. Think about this. When this generation who's never been to church, doesn't know Jesus, has never heard the gospel, think about what they see when they see church people acting as evangelists, not for Jesus, but for their political candidate. And when it's for a political candidate that they despise, that they feel doesn't see them, that doesn't care about them, you're making yourself even more irrelevant to them. I don't say this. The Holy Spirit says this. There's a reason he kept me up all night long to pray and go back through this because this is a Holy Ghost deposit for the church is that when we spend all of our time preaching politician and none of our time preaching Jesus, we're making ourselves irrelevant to this generation. I know I'm taking people off. But he that ticketh thyself off in the name of the Lord doeth good. That's from Second Opinions 2.17. So here's my challenge to you. Next time you go to post a strong message in support of a candidate, I'm going to challenge you before you do that. Post a testimony of something God's done in your life. I dare you. That, that's my challenge to you. Because I love you and I love this generation. Be involved in politics. Baby, go to the rallies. Put up the yard signs. Paint yourself red or blue. I don't care. But I just want to challenge you. Don't let everything you do be to evangelize a candidate when you're not preaching the gospel of Jesus. So before you go and pursue these other things, I just want to challenge you. Before you do your next political post. And I'm not reading anybody's social media. I'm not, I don't even get on Facebook unless it's related to the church space. So don't think I've been spying on you. My name is Joshua, but I am not spying out the land. Y'all still love me? I love you. You love me. Let's get on with the Trinity.
But I want to challenge you, before you promote a candidate, take a moment and promote Jesus. Talk about the goodness of God. Testify of his goodness. Proclaim the works of God. Broadcast something God has done in your life. You never know what God can do to use that. Amen? Y'all still with me? Y'all still my friends. You still like me? Y'all are so beautiful. You look so good today. Y'all are so precious. Just beautiful people. Beautiful people. Listen, like I said, I'm not saying don't get involved in politics. I'm saying your vote does matter. But the message I'm preaching every week is that Jesus matters more. What's more important than who's in the White House is the one who's seated at the right hand of the Father whose name is above every name. Amen? Fact number four, they are the loneliest generation in American history. The loneliest generation, and I said this last week, they can have 10,000 friends on social media and not one true friend in real life. The loneliest generation in American history, again, this is all research-based. Before COVID-19, 45% of Gen Z reported severe loneliness. Post-pandemic, that number has risen to 61%. And that is in a category of debilitating loneliness and isolation. 61% from middle school to young adults. I don't know if y'all have noticed, but social organizations and social institutions in America are dying. Anybody, anybody notice that? I mean, if you visit a social club, country club, a civic organization like the Ruritan Club, the Shriners, similar groups, you'll only find two hair colors, gray and blue. Okay? Social institutions are dying, okay? The younger generation is lonely. They are extremely lonely. Gen Z, they want to be mentored. They want to connect to older generations, but they have no context. They have no framework in which to connect to them. Guess what? I got the answer. It's the C-H-U-R-C-H. In case you're wondering, I just spelled church. I know some of y'all missed a lot of school during COVID. Church, y'all, the church is the answer. It doesn't matter the church is the answer. One of my favorite verses in all of the Bible is Psalm 68, 6. It says, God places the lonely in families. Isn't that good? Isn't that great? Come on, tell somebody. God puts the lonely in families. Oh, come on. I need at least five more people to say that. Come on, tell somebody. God puts the lonely in families. I believe that is a prophetic word from the scriptures over this generation, this lonely generation, more more lonely and isolated than any generation that has ever gone before them in our nation's history. God says, I want to take them and put them in my family. I want you all to look at the church logo. I think we got it up there in in the the computer. There we go. Look, check, check out this logo. There's vision in this logo, okay? Notice right here that you've got a little leaf and a big leaf, and they're growing together. That represents a younger generation 
and an older generation growing together. That's our vision as a church, the family of God, multi-generational, growing together in their faith. And guess what they're growing out of? That ain't the letter T, baby. (laughs) That's the cross. They're growing together in Jesus. Growing together. This generation is isolated. They're lonely. They're longing for connection. They're longing for mentorship. They're longing to be invested in. And here we are. Here is the church. That is God's plan. That is God's purpose for the cross. For us to be growing together in Jesus. Our common ground is not our political party. It's not our age. It's not our skin tone. Our common ground is that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. And that is where we grow. He is our foundation. He is the author. He is the finisher of our faith. The young and old Growing together in the family of God. Now let's talk strategy. I'm almost done. Don't worry. Let's talk strategy. How are we going to connect and how are we going to mentor them? Our longest running program is actually a program that my wife Amber started 12 years ago. It's called our Kids Ministry Internship Program. This is where we have Gen Z interns paired up with our regular volunteers, and every Sunday they're on a rotation to learn how to do ministry in Generation Kids. We're also getting them involved. We're involving young people in in every area of ministry where they want to serve. Why? Because we have to make room for them. We have to make space for them. We have to take the car keys to the car that we're making payments on and we're paying the insurance on and we gotta give them the keys and let them drive it. Oh, Lord, help us. We've got to make room for this generation. That's why you see young people on our ushers team, young people in our greeters, young people on our praise team. We're taking them and giving them opportunities to step up and use the talents and the abilities and the giftings and the willing heart that God has given them. And not only are we going to continue to do that, we're going to do it more. We're going to add gasoline to the fire. So if you're here this morning and God is just touching your heart, get a red card. I don't even have a red card in my folder. What am I doing? I guess I turned one in. I needed prayer the other day. Amen. If, if, just grab a red card. Fill it out. If you're a young person, you want to get involved, put it on there. Ministry area. We will plug you in. If you're maybe, how shall I say, a senior young person. And you want to help mentor a younger person in a ministry area, put that on there too. And we'll get you plugged in. Amen? Hallelujah. We're going to keep that going, but we've got to make room for them. And here's the thing. And I talked about this Wednesday night. Uh, My path to ministry was an interesting path. But I was very blessed to be in a church that made room and let young people get involved. I started out on the ushers team, and they put me in the parking lot on the Russian front at the very end where nobody ever parked, but praise God about once every two or three months, it was a busy Sunday, and I got to direct traffic. Hallelujah. But I was faithful. 
on the Russian front, and eventually I got to, to open the door for people when they came in, and then one day, whoo, I got promoted to take up the offering. Hallelujah. Bless God. I get to manage the money for the house of the Lord. I had arrived, boy, I tell you what. And then the church bought some conga drums. They didn't have nobody to play it. It was a faith purchase. And they let me. Boy, I was Ricky Ricardo for Jesus every Sunday. <laughs> and then I started, I started playing piano, and I was terrible at it. I mean, terrible. As Charles Barkley would say, I was terrible, Terry. That's terrible. And, and, but I kept practicing, I kept practicing, and I only got slightly better. Uh, so what I did is I, at 12 years old, I was buried my face in the carpet crying out to God in my bedroom and said, God, I so desperately want you to use me. God, if you'll give me the ability to play I will only use it to worship you. Poured out my heart. I sat down to play, and it was like God flipped a switch. I could feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit coming on my head and my shoulders and through my hands, and all of a sudden, it's like I understood everything. I could play chords. I could see the patterns. I could figure it all out, and I just hit the ground running. And I've had people offer to pay me money to play gigs and go places. I said, nope. I signed a contract years ago. And I'm sticking with it. But here's the thing. Not everybody makes room. Not everybody likes change. And I understand that. I don't like change. I told y'all I still call Duke Energy CPNL. <laughs> I mean, I just... I don't like change, right? Even babies with poopy diapers resist change. <laughs> After this encounter with God, it had been just a couple years, and I was playing on the praise team. And the first time that I played during an altar service, and I shared this Wednesday night, the first time I played during an altar service, I knew God was in it. The pastor was flowing. He knew he he said it's okay. He knew God was in it. I felt the anointing flowing. God was ministering to people at the altar. The church organist, who had been there from the founding of the church, slammed the lid, got up, stormed out of the church, never came back. Because that had always been his place every Sunday for almost 40 years. And that did something inside of me, but not what you think it did. See, God's been preparing me for my calling my whole life. It burned in my heart. And I heard the, the voice of God saying so loud, Josh, don't ever do that to anybody else. You always make room for people that I'm raising up and people that I'm anointing. Now, I, I'm a control freak. I have control issues. I don't fly on airplanes because they don't let me drive the bus. You know what I'm saying? Like, you want me to give you control over something? Okay. 
<laughs> See if you can pry it from my hand. That, that's my human nature. But Jesus said, <laughs> you got to die to yourself if you want to follow me. And boy, ain't that a daily process, child of God? Oh, my Jesus. Sometimes I got to wake up in the morning and hammer that flesh to the cross. I got to crucify that flesh. I mean, I, I present myself as a living sacrifice to God, but like Daddy used to preach, you know, we, we have a tendency as a living sacrifice to crawl off the altar. But that what could have been such a hurtful moment to me as a young person, I let God use that to burn into me. Never deny people an opportunity to step in and do ministry when God has anointed them to do it. Never. This is not even in my notes. This is just fresh material just for y'all. And I feel the Holy Spirit speaking through that. And I'm, and I'm re reminding myself of that in this season as we're growing. We've added... Almost all of our chairs we got left, and still at times we're running out of seats. We're going to start plundering the cafe before we go to two services. Amen. We got enough for one road back there, and then y'all going to have to start getting real cozy. We're going to be like Gallagher. I'm going to be just spitting on everybody. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll just, I'll just keep backing up towards the screen. But we're growing, and in this season of growth, so much is changing. And change in church is a... It's a minefield. <laughs> but thank God we've got the Holy Spirit to guide us every step of the way. So we've got our internship program, and we're going to be pushing more and more to open up room for young people to get involved in ministry. And we're not going to kick the old people out. <laughs> not that we even have any old volunteers. Y'all are just senior young people. Because this is a multi-generational church. The Bible says you are a chosen generation. That's why it's generation, not generations, like every funeral home in Goldsboro thinks it is. Generation. Because we together, people of all ages, we are a chosen generation because God has no grandkids. So we as a church, it's not pushing out people who are serving, it's partnering young and old to work together, to mentor, to learn from each other. Did you know you can learn from young people? Good grief, Hudson taught me how to use my iPhone when he was five. <laughs> Daddy, you want me to show you how to log into that? Well, yes, son, thank you. Everybody has something to teach, and everybody has something to contribute. So, so what are we doing this new? Thank you for asking that, too. <laughs> Starting on Wednesday, March 6th, we're, we're turning our midweek into a kids and youth outreach night. And this is what we're going to do. Every Wednesday at 6.30, we're going to serve a hot meal to every kid and every teenager that we can squeeze in the building. And this is the dream for, for us. And when I say older generation, I mean older than Gen Z. Okay, so y'all don't get offended. Us as the older generation to come cook, serve, 
And for those who have a heart to mentor the next generation to sit at the table and just love on them. It's amazing just to learn a young person's name. Isn't that powerful? To find out somebody just knows your name. To come and spend time with these kids every week. To love on them. To share a meal with them. And then for right now, they're going to go back and divide up in their age groups in the kids' wing. But, but I, I, just, I just see them. We'll prophesy. I just see it coming soon where this is the youth room on Wednesday nights. Because we're not just building up a, a babysitting program. We're building up a church. Where the youth come in here and we've got youth preaching and we've got youth leading worship and we've got youth running sound and we've got the next generation just taking over. Hallelujah. Y'all with me? Amen. Let it sink in. Let it marinate. That's all right. You'll be shouting about it soon because it's coming. It's coming. We're making room for the next generation for God to raise them up. Amen. This is a time for one generation to declare his works for another. Young people today want to connect. They're lonely. God places the lonely in families. By the way, I did something yesterday I never thought I would do. And again, I'm closing. Uh, this is one of them long closings, but I'm closing. I did something yesterday I never thought I'd do. I joined TikTok. I never, ever, ever thought I would be on TikTok. Do you know why I did that? Because I was learning about Gen Z, and 80% of them are on TikTok. 80%. The kids' church says, Facebook, that's for old people. <laughs> I said, how old? You know real old, like 40. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Uh, but anyway, I joined TikTok because I got some good advice from, from a younger couple in our church last Sunday. They gave me some good advice. They said, if you want to reach young people, TikTok is where they are. 1.7 billion active users. And for young people here in the United States, it's their, it's their primary social media. And get this, it's their primary source for all information on the Internet. That part is terrifying. But anyway, I just created an account, and I got my TikTok information to the media team. So I've only got, let's see, since I started this last night, I've only picked up two followers. So if y'all are on TikTok, help a brother out. Amen. How many of y'all saw the, the, the dancing donut guy? Yeah, a few of you. Yeah, well, I, he's on Facebook and Instagram and our YouTube page, too. That was my first TikTok video. And then, uh, as you know, I didn't sleep at all last night. So about 4, four o'clock in the morning, I was praying, and God just gave me a word of encouragement for people who are weary waiting on God. So I just gave a little word and, and then a prayer, and that's up there too. Um, but here's, here's something important about Gen Z. Transparency and honesty are a big deal to them. And this is my closing thought, and I want you to take it to heart. It's important... <laughs> That we're honest with them and open with them. I talked about this last Sunday. We don't just share the PG Sunday morning testimony of what God's done in your life. Give them the real story. Tell them about where God really brought you from. Because they need to know they have real struggles too. And they're in a real mess too. And if we're open and share the true story of what God delivered us from, it gives them hope to know that if God did it for you, he can do it for them. 
Think about it. This is the first generation in history to be born and raised in the Internet age. When I was a kid, there won't no Internet. There won't no cell phones. I remember we had a, we had a rotary phone, right? And then you mess it up. Oh, Lord have mercy. Now click. You start all over. And then mama got a phone in the kitchen that hung on the wall that had a 40-foot cord. And as a toddler, you better watch where you're running because you might get string line on that bad boy. <laughs> Y'all remember when, the, when they were giving out AOL free trials in the grocery store and you get that CD and the dollar. And then, then you're too cheap to pay for it, so you throw that away and go to the store and get another, another free trial. <laughs> oh, boy. Maybe that was just me. They grew up, they've lived their entire lives in the internet age. They grew up in the world of social media where people portray fake lives, fake friendships, the age of Photoshop and Instagram filters. Listen, I'm, I'm a Photoshop expert. I can make you look like anybody. You just email me a photo, and for $1,000 towards a parking lot lights, you just tell me what you want, and I will hook you up. I've been using Photoshop for 25 years now. But they grew up in the age where people put a fake representation of their life on social media, and they're longing for authenticity. They would rather have a real relationship with a flawed person than fake all day long. They would rather have a church person who's honest about their flaws and failures and honest about their past than anybody who's going to lie to them and act perfect. So don't y'all look at me like you walked on water to church today because all of us are work in progress. The world's population just passed 8 billion people this year. This generation represents the largest single harvest of souls in the history of the world. And young people are more receptive to the gospel than any other age group. Nearly 8 out of 10 people in the United States come to Christ as a child. That blows my mind. Most of them before the age of 15. No other age group in the world is more receptive to the gospel of Jesus than young people. And we have an opportunity to reach more people for Jesus than ever before. If we don't pour ourselves, our time, our resources, our hearts into ministering to this generation, we're letting the greatest harvest in history slip right through our hands. And time is of the essence. I don't know about you, but I want God to use my life to help reach this generation. Amen. Will you take a red card? And, and I'm not going to put pressure on you. But take, take one home with you. And pray this week. About getting involved with young people on some level. In some shape or form. Will you do that for me? Will you stand this morning as we pray. And as the praise team comes. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we had to come to join together. Lord, I just thank you, Father, for the 
vision that you've placed before Generation Church, Lord. I thank you for every person that you've strategically placed in here, Father. Lord, and for the call that you have on their life, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that, number one, as Josh was preaching, and he was preaching about looking in the mirror, Father, that right now in these few moments, Father, that if there's anything in us that we are hypocritical about, Father, things that we need to work on, Lord, to be closer to you, God, that you reveal to us and you show that to us in the name of Jesus. God, that you change us that you make and you mold us into the person that we need to be. Lord, I thank you that we're open and receptive to when God corrects us and whenever he shows us things that we need to change. And Lord, that we do that, Father. And Lord, I thank you that as we check ourselves, Father, Lord, that we grow closer to you, Father. Lord, that we have more of an intimate relationship with you, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you, Father, for using every person in here, Father, as a vessel. God, as a vessel, you've given each and every one of us talents. God, I thank you that we use it for your glory, Lord. God, let us pour out into the next generation, God. Let us pour out the talents and the, the things that you've brought us from, God, into the next generation to help them so that they don't do the things and make the mistakes that we made, Father. God, use our testimony to help change others' lives, Lord. And you get the glory for it, Father. Lord, I just thank you, Father, that we are encouraging. That we're an encouraging church, Father. That we are such a loving church. That when people come in, Lord, that they feel loved. They feel encouraged. They see Jesus in us, Father. Lord, we want to show only you, Lord. We don't want to show the world. We don't want to show anything but the love of Christ. And God, I thank you, Father God, for continuing to make and change our hearts, Father, that every week we become more loving and more loving and more loving and more encouraging and speaking life into people, Father. God, that our church is a reflection of you, Lord, that people feel your love, that they change when they come in here, God, not because of a religious spirit, but God, because your anointing is in this place and that anointing changes people and it breaks yokes, Father. And Lord, that as we come together and we worship together in unity, Father, that you are changing and that you are making waves in this community, Lord, and that you're creating in us, Father, things that are going to impact generations to come, Lord, not just the one that's here now, Father, but Lord, all the generations, Father. God, use us to be impactful. Use us to change things. Empower us, Father. And God, most of all, use us to be intentional. God, use us to be intentional with our time, with our money, with our talents. God, whatever it is that you have blessed us with, God, use us, Father. Let us use our time wisely, Father. And Lord, we thank you, Father, for the opportunity that you've given us, Father, to minister to those that you've entrusted us with. God, for entrusting us with generations, Father. God, use us, Father God, to touch them from, from the older to the babies, Father. God, Lord, let not one person not go impacted. But use us, Father. And Lord, we thank you, Father, and we give you glory. And Lord, we give you honor for being a good, good Father. Lord, we give you glory, and we thank you, Father, for saving us. We thank you for sending your Son. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Amen. Are we going to be intentional? No? We're going to be intentional. We're going to pour out into this generation. Can we agree with that? Can we just praise God for the opportunity that he's given us to pour out into another generation, into other generations? Because just because you're young doesn't mean that you still don't need to be poured into. I still need to be poured into. And today I want to give you the opportunity, if you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, maybe you used to serve him, but now you, you're not serving him. You're not as close as you used to be. Or maybe you've never served him. Maybe this is your first Sunday in church. Or maybe you've been coming for a while or listening for a while. And today you say, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to give you the opportunity. And I'm going to ask that everybody repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe in you. Save me. Set me free. Forgive me of my sins. Be the Lord of my life. And with your help, I'm going to live for you the rest of my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we just thank God for him sending his son that we've been promised eternity and now we get the opportunity to help lead others to Christ.